Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. We absolutely love giving you the show every single day, Monday through Friday, for free. But uh, it's not free to produce. And if you'd like to keep the show on the air, we ask for your support and become an EPP. When you become an EPP, you get more than 23 bonus episodes of the show to listen to. These are exclusive episodes that are only available to our EPPs with some of the best stories we've ever gotten on them. Please help keep Real Ghost Stories online on the air. And become an EPP today, an extra podcast person, on the website realghoststoriesonline.com. It's only five bucks a month. You get all the extras and the knowledge that you're keeping this show going. Please, and thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855 853 4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. And today when a mother doesn't wake to help her daughter after a nightmare, another presence assumes the role and sues the little one back to sleep. After a sudden tragic loss of her husband, a woman finds the little things he used to do that drove her nuts are still being done. A tragic near-death experience for one listener leaves her with more than just a haunted memory. And Dodger Stadium is full of many sights and sounds during the games, but one employee claims the real fun happens after all the fans go home. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing besides trying to avoid coughing into the microphone? You know, it's kind of funny. I uh, I realized when I was about to cough, that's a fun little radio trick in, in like old school studios, you have the cough button, uh-huh. which in every studio I ever worked in that had a cough button, it did not work. <laughs> They were just there for like aesthetics. And when you have like the Boy Scout troop that comes in for the tours, it's like, oh, wow, look at all this stuff. And they assume everything is in functioning order. What the public doesn't know in most cases in most radio studios, at any given time, 50 to 80 percent of the equipment in the room does not function properly. (laughs) So um, uh, the, the trick that I always had, which is simply you pull the volume down. And, and make your cough really quick and come back. What I failed to think of when I just did that when I was doing the introduction is I didn't pull your microphone down. No, so there's this faint ghost cough. There's a cough faint ghost the, cough. The background, so, which is nothing but your cough. No, it's not. I didn't cough at all, actually. Yes, I just you did. I just took an extra long pause. <sighs> That's all it was. I should have pulled both mics down, so I wasn't thinking. I was just pull my mic down, do the cough, pull it back up. Happens all the time in the world of radio. But uh, I will remember that next time. So there you go. little inside knowledge on how we cough on the radio. And half-ass cover it up. And now, on with the countdown. Number 40! This week... There you go. I could go into the Casey Kasem spiel, but you I think can, you... Uh, you cannot do that. You might get mad at me for that. Yeah. Interesting uh, headlines. I'm excited to hear about Dodger Stadium. I was unaware of the, uh, the hauntings there. Me too. <clears throat> Did not know that. You know, that makes sense, though. I mean, it kind of is in line with, like, theaters mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, live and uh, movie theaters where there's a lot of emotion 
expelled within them. I would think, you know, almost any stadium probably has a lot of things. And those are also places that a lot of people want their ashes spread that I'm sure most times they say, we can't do that. Kind of like Disney. Okay. That makes sense. So there's probably a lot of contraband ashes (laughs) that get brought in uh, and spread without uh, prior written consent of the National Football League. And are rebroadcast throughout the stadium. Is that a football stadium? I or or Major League Baseball. I was just doing the reference to, you know, at the end of the or to be pretty much the end of any game, whether uh-huh. it's Major League Baseball or National Football. It's always any rebroadcast of this program is prior written consent of the National Football League is strictly prohibited. You know, or they do it with Major League Baseball, hockey, whatever. Sure, um, that sort of thing. So I was just kind of making a reference to okay to that, but. Uh, I bet there's a lot of ashes flying around. Yeah. A lot of fertilized fields. <laughs> that, yeah. That's what makes that's what makes the grass so green. <laughs> You're part of the turf. Uh, I'm looking forward to that story. Our number is 855-853-4802. If you'd like to share your real ghost story with us, of course, you can also write it on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, as we talk about, if you enjoy the show, maybe you're a new listener. We always have a lot of new listeners every single week. If you uh, like the show, this is a show that uh, really is uh, is supported and funded by you guys, uh, and we give you something back, too. We don't just say, hey, donate, and we'll keep doing it. Uh, we say, hey, please donate, we'll keep doing it, and give you something extra. But wait, there's more. Get a bonus episode every single week and access to this exclusive uh, archive we have of episodes called EPP. That's Extra Podcast Person Episodes. Uh, 29 of them out there now. So these are great stories. Some of the best that we get in, we we reserve for the EPP uh, episode that we do every week. So get out on that. It's only five bucks a month. Or you can uh, sign up for a full year if you don't like doing the debit every single month through PayPal. Super simple, and uh, you get the satisfaction of knowing you're supporting something you thoroughly enjoy. So get a couple hours of enjoyment out of us a week, eh, maybe it's worth five bucks. Just saying, you know, that, that coffee you're buying, you get what, 30 seconds out of, you know, and this, you know, several hours. So please help keep us going. Uh, let's kick off our show today. We have a letter that's uh, coming in to us uh, from Katie. Let's go to that one first. And uh, Katie writes in, I just recently started listening to your show and it has saved my sanity and some of my longer work nights. Though I've decided it's not the best idea to watch when I'm all alone in the studio at night. So uh, thank you uh, both so much for collecting and sharing all these amazing stories. It's been something to look forward to every day. And I'm spreading the word like wildfire. I decided to share this story after listening to the Haunted Library episode and hearing you talk about helpful ghosts that come to soothe restless children in the dead of the night. It just so happens that I have a story about just such a ghost. So, here it goes. I've always been sensitive and empathic to the point that uh, it would make me sick as a child. People's and spirits' emotions uh, would overpower me and I had no idea how to cope back then. Luckily... I grew up and spent most of my time in places that were filled with love and good intentions, so I never was in any real danger of being exposed to more insidious forces. Having said that, I had night terrors pretty consistently as a child. I'd wake up after these horrific nightmares so terrified that I couldn't move or even call out to my family. My mom knew this and would check on me periodically throughout the night, especially when I had a particularly hard time falling asleep. 
She would come in, lie down next to me, curl me into her chest, and stroke my hair until I fell back asleep. After that, I'd always sleep soundly until morning. The problem came when, as uh, can only be expected sometimes, she couldn't wake up to check on me. On those nights, I'd sit in a cold sweat, tears running down my face, too scared to move, and just couldn't count the seconds until the sun rose. After a few particularly bad nights, I thought I would never find peace again, when all of a sudden I felt a warmth on my back, and with soft hand wipe away the hair stuck to my brow. Instantly the fear was gone. My mom had come to save me. But as I turned to snuggle up to her, there was no one there. I could see the indentation in the mattress and on my pillows. I could feel the hand running through my hair, wiping the sweat and tears from my face, and I knew I should be terrified. All I felt was peace and the almost overwhelming sensation of being safe and loved. Thank you, I said in a little voice before falling to s- in a deep, dreamless sleep. I uh, simply dismissed this as a small child's frantic attempt to cope with fear, but it happened so many times. Every night, my mom was too tired to wake herself. This being was there for me. It never spoke, and I never asked its name. I would just say thank you as it stroked my hair, lulling me back to sleep. It's been many years since I've had even one nightmare, and I attribute a large part of that to this entity. It saved me and helped me learn how to cope with the emotions that would bombard me as a child. I'm not sure if it was a ghost, some other creature, or just a manifestation of the love in my childhood home, but to this day, when I return home, I can feel it. And to this day, I always whisper, thank you, and thank you, too, for letting me share my story. That's just a really sweet story. You know, I I can only imagine how scared she was in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and, and just to have something that comfort her, comforted her. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those things that she probably thinks about even now if she has a nightmare, you know, just to help get her back to sleep. Because adults can, you know, sometimes get so scared from having a nightmare they can't go back to sleep, too. Sure. That's when I just uh, pull up my Teddy Ruxpin and put in an anthrax tape and it starts spewing out horrible death metal. But hey, it's Teddy Ruxpin. (laughs) That is horrible. (laughs) It's good to hear a story where it's not like a possessed Teddy Ruxpin. Yeah. uh, From a child. So, yeah, very interesting story. And it's, it's, it's a, you know, I, I wonder. I, I I think there's something paranormal there. Yeah. I wonder how much of it became like a a simple pattern of behavior, though. You know, like was it always a paranormal thing, or did it become more so a pattern of calming that that worked for her to keep her calm, or was it always you know was the paranormal thing always playing the part? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I think there's something that started it. Sure. How often? It was actually the the entity that showed up and was doing that, or how often was it just the thought of, you know, if mom doesn't come, this other thing will come and, you know, calm me down. It's hard to know, mm-hmm. but I think there's definitely something there that at least started that. Definitely, definitely. It's interesting that she still feels it there too. So I'm, I'm assuming it's still there. Right. 
to some extent. It's very interesting. Thank you for writing in and uh, and sharing your story with us. Hey, uh, if you haven't already done so, please press subscribe on whatever platform it is you listen to us on. There's a lot of them now. iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube. Those are some of the bigger ones, but we're all over the place. So uh, press subscribe. You don't miss any episodes as they come out. And that uh, little action there of pressing subscribe helps grow our community. Uh, yeah, it helps us uh, grow in those rankings. So please uh, consider doing that. Rebecca writes in, before I begin my story, I'd like to say that I love your show. I've only discovered it recently, but I have been hooked. Listen to your podcast into the night and become deliciously scared. That's a fun word, use of the word deliciously. <laughs> yeah, that's a different one. I'm deliciously scared every night, too. Then I cry myself to sleep. You do not. And Jenny laughs at me. I am not She that sits there and she points, are you crying again? Horrible person like that. I don't do that. <laughs> and puts on a clown mask and freaks me out. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh-huh. I'm making it all up. So, thank you for that. In the summer of 2010, when I was 17, I decided to stay the night at a friend's house. Her dad had forgotten to pay the electricity bill, so there were no lights and no air conditioning. I lived in North Carolina at the time, and it gets very hot and humid in the summer. We ended up sleeping downstairs on the living room couches, since it was much cooler than my friend's upstairs room. I've always had trouble falling asleep at night, and was awake far longer than my friend, who fell asleep almost instantly. As I lie awake thinking, I heard someone running down the stairs, which were behind me. I wasn't worried about it at first. I thought it was my friend's little brother. His room was also upstairs. Then it struck me that he was not at the house that night. He was with his grandmother. I still wasn't worried at this point. I'm a very logical person, so I decided to go through a list of people or animals that it could be. It could not be my friend, as I could see her on the other couch sleeping like a baby. Definitely couldn't be her little sister. She was only a toddler. There was no way she could uh, bound down the stairs like whoever had just done so. It wasn't my friend's parents. I saw them go into their room and they had it left. Finally, it wasn't the dog. She was in her crate, sleeping soundly. Shortly after, I came to the realization that it was impossible that any living thing in the house had run down the stairs. A feeling of dread came over me. A loud scream came from within my head. I became paralyzed, unable to move or speak. I felt something small jump on my chest and start pounding. Who are you, I thought. What do you want? I wanted to scream and fight back, but I couldn't. I could see my friend still sleeping on the couch. Help was so close, yet I remained helpless. Then, as quickly as the attack had begun, the presence disappeared completely. As soon as I could move again, I turned on my cell phone for light and sat awake until the sun came up. At one point, my friend's mother got up to use the restroom and asked what I was doing. I told her that I had had a nightmare and I couldn't sleep. I left my friend's house without explanation at around 7 a.m. I told her that I just really had to go home. The story does not end there. I didn't set foot in that house for another few months because I was so afraid. I agreed to come over again because there was another girl this time, and we had power. We stayed up all night watching movies and laughing as girls do. By the time we decided to go to sleep, it was about 6 a.m., and all three of us were huddled up in one small bed, as previously mentioned. I have a hard time sleeping, and the room being flooded with morning light didn't help. Neither did being cramped up in a bed with two other people. So, of course, I was the last to fall asleep. I was starting, I was staring at the ceiling, 
when I suddenly was overtaken by that familiar feeling of paralysis and the scream that came from within my own head. Memories of my previous visit came flooding back to me. Leave me alone, I thought. I couldn't believe it was happening again. Why are you picking on me? This time, I fought with all my might to reach out and get help from a friend. I managed to grab one of their wrists, tap it with my thumb, and get out a tiny help. As I did, the paralysis was broken and the screaming subsided. I was able to fall asleep that time, probably because my friends were so close to me. I never set foot in that house again. After a while after that, uh, I was hanging out with my friend, not at her house, because F that, I decided to ask her if her house was haunted. I never told uh, her of my experiences before, and I didn't tell her about them before she told me her story, as I didn't want to influence her at all. She told me that she used to see a little boy sitting outside of her old bedroom window when she was young. Her old bedroom was on the bottom floor of the house, so there's no connection with the stairs. However, I did find it interesting that she said she would see a little boy. I first assumed that her little brother ran down the stairs because whatever it was sounded like it was the size of a child. The thing that jumped on me and started hitting my chest also felt like it was about that size. I'm not sure what happened to me on those two nights. Could it have been a ghost? Perhaps. It also could have been sleep paralysis. The thing that really makes me doubt it is that those were the only two times in my life that I've ever experienced something like sleep paralysis. The second time it happened, I was definitely not about to fall asleep. As I said, I was staring at the ceiling. Thank you for reading my story. If you do, sorry that it took so long. I've had other smaller experiences. If if you're ever interested in hearing about those, this is just my biggest experience. If it was indeed paranormal, what do you think? I think it was. I think there was something going on because it only happened in that house. The what, two times that she spent the night there. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, the fear of it happening again the second time could have played tricks with her mind to make her have issues the second time after being so scared the first time, but I think there's something going on. You know, it's the thing is, we get we get a lot of stories about sleep paralysis on the show, and there's, there's a lot of skeptics on the topic just because, I mean, sleep paralysis is a real thing. I mean, there is real sleep paralysis where it's not always paranormally related. But we get so many stories where you have to, you know, question how how much it's not just a clinical type thing. Sure. You know, where it is, in fact, there's something paranormal going on because there's... There's usually some sort of odd factor involved in a lot of the stories that we get that are not just the classic, oh, I'm sleeping in my bed and this happened. It's, there's usually a connection outside of it. Like an external verifier. Yeah, that kind of says, okay, this is not exactly quite normal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in, in the sleep paralysis story that I have, I don't really have a super solid one other than the fact that the you know, behind the wall I was sleeping at, there's a ghost that's documented to go up and down the stairwell. But I, it's it's hard for me to say that that, you know, was necessary because I didn't even know about it at the time. Sure. So I don't know. I might have just had regular plain old sleep paralysis. Um, but, you know, a lot of the stories that we get you know, are, are much more in depth than that. So it's, it's something that I do think um, exists on a paranormal level. And, I think so. And uh, and there's there's a lot of critics of it, but 
I don't know, until you, it's one of those things where until you really experience it, you got to go and say, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's such a bizarre experience to have. And the mind is very powerful. It can, you know, very much manipulate you to experience things that are not really there um, or hear things, you know, with the, what was it, the slamming head syndrome or whatever that exploding head exploding head syndrome Mm -hmm. but i don't know you you just have to wonder it's a very convincing thing to anyone who's been through one of those situations especially when you mix in external paranormal things going on sure so i just wanted to say that uh 855-853-4802 is our number here at real ghost stories online to share your real ghost story with us. Karen writes in, I've always been interested in the paranormal, but have never experienced anything you'd call paranormal personally. I have, however, had family members who've had experiences. The first one I'll tell you about happened to my sister-in-law just last year. My husband's brother passed away very suddenly and unexpectedly. He and his wife had been married for about 35 years and were empty nesters, so it was just the two of them living in the house at the time. Unfortunately, she is the one who found his lifeless body on the floor of their home. After the initial shock, the funeral, and taking care of necessary arrangements and such, his wife went back to her job a couple of months later. When she walked in the house one afternoon after returning from work, she noticed that the lights were on in the house. She's always been a stickler for making sure lights were turned off when not in use. Her initial reaction was that someone had broken into the house, so she immediately walked back out of the house and called the police. The police came and walked through the house. Nothing appeared to have been disturbed or stolen. The really strange thing is, was that every single light in the house was turned on, including all lamps and lights in the closets. She knows for a fact that all of her doors were securely locked and lights were off when she left the house. She called her sister and daughters who have keys to the house just to make sure that one of them had not come by while she was gone. Nobody had come by and there was absolutely no rational explanation for what happened. She then admitted that one of the things that she used to nag on her husband about was turning off the lights when he left a room, which she was terrible about remembering to do. She'd simply have to give him the look and he knew he had forgotten to turn off a light and would go back to do so. I personally believe turning on all the lights in the house was just her husband's way of joking around with her, letting her know that he was all right and giving her a sign that there is another existence beyond our physical time here on Earth. I'll write back and again soon with something very unusual, kind of scary, that just took place in my home. Thanks, and I love your show. Keep up the good work. Okay, I know the thing that you'll do to let me know that you're okay. That What? When I drive my car and you're on the passenger side, you always have the visor down, whether you need it or not. And then when you get out of my car, you leave it down. And out of the before you get out of the car, I I'm going to wear this. I always put it back up. Always. I know I usually put it up because there's at some point sun that's hitting my eye. And you I mean just, put I, it down? Put it down. But, and I just, but I never put it back up. You never ever put it back up and it drives me nuts you've done this for like six you, years you've never told me this so no i just passively aggressively put it up and sigh and go on about my day because that's what i do but so someday if you die before me and my visor is constantly down i will know you're still riding with me okay and you're still gonna be mad about it no i won't 
I don't even know. I, I, eh. I'm not even mad about it. It's such a trivial thing. It's just one of those things. Sure. It's like, it's really pretty good that that's the only thing I can think of that you do that somewhat annoys me. And it's not even important at all. Or when I have campfires in the living room and. You don't do shit like that. <laughs> Bring in fresh wood and just kind of light it up and <laughs> roast marshmallows because it'd be fun, rustic. That's pretty awesome, though, that that's the only thing that you do that gets on my nerves. I don't I'm even surprised wanna, there's not more. I, mean, I don't even want to know the laundry list you probably have for not me. Not sharing it on the show. <laughs> what? I said, are you just not sharing it on the show? No, that's seriously oh, okay. it. That's all I got. I don't really have a chronic thing, I think, with you that that's like, uh, I don't know. I mean, you worry about things, but I know that, and yeah. you know, but um, but I do too. So I mean, that's just kind of how we are. Um, I I don't I don't I can't think of. I'm trying to think. I don't know. I think I have anything. Sorry. That's all right. So it'd be difficult to really identify you <laughs> if you come back and. Uh, um, I will just put more worrisome thoughts in your head. Be like, oh, that's just Jenny helping me worry. <laughs> Suddenly I'm much more anxious about everything. Yeah. More so than I already am. You have doubled your anxiety yeah. level. Oh, that would that would be so healthy for me. <laughs> that would just I would be such a functional person at that point when I if I doubled it. I'm just speeding up when you get to me, so <laughs> Oh, I'll get back to you on that. Okay, you maybe, think about maybe, that. I don't know. <laughs> uh, 855-853-4802 uh, is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories uh, Online. Uh, let's go over to a letter from Abby. Abby writes in, Hi, guys. My story begins in the groovy late 70s. I was eight years old and had a beautiful babysitter named Beth, who babysat me for many years. I remember thinking she was a princess because she was so lovely with her long copper hair. I mostly remember the summers with her, playing outside in my yard and listening to music. That summer, when I was eight, was my uh, most tragic of my life. Beth had a new boyfriend who, although was nice to me, I hated. He had crazy eyes, like he was permanently in shock or something. His name was Larry, and he even uh, smelled funny. I'm sure my parents didn't know he came around. Beth seemed unhappy this summer, that summer and quiet. One day we were driving somewhere. I was in the back seat and Beth drove and Crazy Larry sat in the passenger seat. They were screaming at each other. I was scared of tears. Then suddenly we had plummeted off an embankment and into the lake. It all happened so fast it was like a blur to me. I remember Beth's head bobbing as the water poured in. I remember blood. I don't remember, however, how I got out alive. Next thing I remember was an old man comforting me and crazy Larry pacing back and forth. Beth died that day and I was devastated. Months after, I heard at school that a man had laid down on the train tracks and was killed by a train. It was crazy Larry. Soon after the tragedy, we moved away and that's when strange things began happening. I'd hear a man's voice screaming my name not just while sleeping, but when awake. It happened all the time. I'd hear it yell my name when no one was around. And then, even at school when many were around, on one hot summer night, I went to my bedroom window to try to get some air, and there, standing in my driveway, under the light of the garage, was a man. He looked naked and dripping wet and was looking at me. I ran to tell my parents, and my dad, being a cop, ran out to investigate. No one was there. 
It must have been a dream, my parents reassured me, but I saw him once again, this time at my friend's house. Would swing in her backyard, bordering the woods. That evening, as we were swinging, he appeared again near the woods. He was naked and wet, and I could see his crazy eyes this time. It was Crazy Larry. I jumped off my swing and ran home screaming. This man yelling my name continued for many years. Then one day when I turned around 13, I was home from school, sick when I heard a knock at the door. Peeked out the curtains and saw it was my Uncle Neil. Went to open the door when I suddenly got the feeling it wasn't him and stopped. He began pounding on the door, telling me to let him in. I refused. He became so angry. My uncle was a soft-spoken sweet man. This couldn't be him. Later I found out it wasn't him, for he was working that day. The voices seemed to fade out, although at least three times in my adult life I've heard him. I sometimes feel like I'm being followed or watched, but don't see anyone. It still terrifies me. My mom recently told me that Larry had gotten Beth into drugs and that the day she died, she had them in her system. She was just 16. I still wonder if Beth's angel got me out of the car that day. I still have flashbacks, but I can't remember it all. That's all. Sorry if this is too long. Thank you for giving people a place to let this stuff out. It's freeing. Okay. With this, I think there is a paranormal aspect, but part of me wonders if the hearing her name being screamed isn't like a repressed memory that's starting to come through. Like a post-traumatic stress? Yes. Of some sort coming out? Yes. Okay. And, and in no, no way am I qualified to say anything about anything about that. It just is where my mind went with okay. maybe, you know, seeing him dripping wet. I don't know why he's naked and dripping wet, but... Yeah, especially if he killed himself on the railroad track, because he didn't drown in the car. No, he didn't. But if he had been the one that helped rescue her... Mm-hmm. You know, that might be something because she said she doesn't remember getting how she got out of the car. Sure. Um, you know, and, and a lot of times when people are panicked and there's water coming in, there's a lot of screaming probably going on. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering if maybe the screaming of her name by him mm-hmm. isn't something that sure. happened in the car that she's repressed that's every once in a while peeking its head through. Where we have a little variety here of paranormal and real psychological yeah. You know, yeah. things that are going on that have been repressed. Which a lot out. of times go hand in hand. Sure. Yeah. Which, you know, we hear that all too often on this show. Um, yeah. I think there, I, I think there's something with the uh, crazy Larry, as she called him, something not so good, maybe something dark going on with him, uh, you know, or, I mean, or there could be some sort of haunting that's following her that's, Again, where part of this story kind of threw me was when she saw the uncle, or so she thought, standing outside her door, um, which was not her uncle. Right. That was the weird thing. We had this on a show the other day where something was taking the form of something. That's usually not the ghost of a person. No. That's usually something darker. So I'm wondering if there was even something that was like kind of going on with, I don't know, we have, no, it's even related to Larry. But if there's something completely separate that's just kind of clung on to her, follows her, knows that this is one of her, you know, real primal fears mm-hmm. or innate fears and uh, essentially knows to play on that. You know, it could be completely unrelated. Yeah, I'm thinking 
I'm thinking it's completely unrelated. And what I'm wondering, and this is probably totally off base, but I'm wondering if maybe somehow he helped get her out of the car. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, everybody associates him with the death of Beth. And he's, you know, somehow trying to send this scream of her name and show him, showing him dripping wet as kind of a... A message of, I'm not so bad. I'm not, I'm not the monster you think I am. Sure. Or I was. But that may be totally off base. There's a lot of the story we don't know. But yeah. just from what she said, that makes me wonder if maybe that's why he's showing himself the way he is. Now, the naked part's just weird, but... And then Chris Hansen suddenly shows up and goes, why are you naked and standing in front of this girl? Uh, What's in your pocket? What's in the car? I just feel like there's a message there that hasn't maybe been deciphered yet. Yeah, it's it's confusing. It's it's not a clear cut one by by any stretch of the imagination. Thank you for sharing that story with us uh, and uh, and getting it out there. Our number is 855-853-4802. You can write in or call in anytime. You can of course write in through the website at realghoststoriesonline.com and while you're there, hey, click that become an EPP button. That would be real nifty. It really would. Keen, if you will. I like keen. Is there any other um, are those adjectives? Yeah. Oh, good. Is it really? Yeah. I'm. I'm. I was horrible at that. I don't know adjectives. <laughs> uh, noun is a person, place, or thing. Yeah. I know verb. Verb is an action word. Yeah. I get really cons- confused on adjective, adverb. Okay. Um, things like that. I I could never identify those very well. Anywho, I think I just did. You did pretty good. An adjective is a describing word. Okay. Well, it would be. Maybe um, gnarly? Got any more? No, I'm not going to go. Come on. Play the game. Play the game. You will. Now. Now. Do it. Go. 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 Stop. (laughs) No. I don't have any dated descriptive adjectives. (laughs) Dated descriptive adjectives. Sounds like a bad name for a band. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Click EPP. Become an EPP. Keep our show on the air. Uh, Abel writes in. Hi, Tony and Jenny. This is Abel from Los Angeles. I've submitted a couple of stories about my son. Here's one that I, I experienced. I know how much Tony likes to hear about famous places, so here's one for him. I've been working in Dodger Stadium for over 22 years now. And not once did I ever experience anything paranormal until a couple of years ago. As an employee, we clock in in the upper part of the stadium. Since I work in the lower level of the stadium, I like walking down the stairs instead of taking the elevators. It's a bit spookier. Feels like you're being watched. Well, one day, as I was making my way down the stairs, I heard a man's voice. He sounded no more than five feet away from me. I clearly heard him speak, but since I wasn't paying attention, I wasn't able to catch what he said. I stood in that same spot for a couple of minutes in case someone was around me. But nothing. I even looked up and down the banisters to see if anyone was moving, but nothing. I didn't. It didn't scare me. It did catch me by surprise. During the game, the stadium is loud and crazy. The spooky part is a couple of hours after the games. I have a friend that works in the late hours... He's one of the last people there. I asked him once if he's ever experienced anything paranormal at night. He just smiled at me and said that I should stick around after the games and see for myself. Well, I'm still waiting to hang out with him after the games. 
He hides from me after the games. He did tell me that he has heard people running through the areas where the concession stands are. He's even heard of uh, steps of something with four legs running. He's investigated all of this and never finds anything. He's also heard people talking in the seats as if they're watching the games, but never sees anyone. I know people have died in the stadium. How many, I don't know. I once saw a man have a massive heart attack and die there while standing in line to buy food. A few stands from mine. Like I said before, it's a nice stadium, but the spooky part of it is staying two to three hours after a night game. That's when the fun begins. So that's my story for today. Hope you enjoyed it. I'll send you another story in a near future. Once again, just wanted to say I love your podcast. You and Jenny are the Kelly Ripa and Regis Philbin of Ghost Story Podcasts. I like you put Regis in there and not uh, Michael, because that was the better of the shows. Oh, no, it's so much better with Michael. No. Michael and Kelly are Regis. Regis was the man. You would like Regis, wouldn't you? I do like Regis. Okay. Regis was good. You like Michael better than Regis? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh. Do you like Kelly better than Kathy Lee Gifford? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do, too. Lots. I have to say that. Keep up the great work. Bye for now. But in all uh, honesty, I mean, there's been, uh, most importantly, there, there was a very tragic event that happened at Dodger Stadium, and it really wasn't all that long ago. What was that? Well, there was uh, a movie that was being filmed there. And uh, it was a movie that once you see it, you can't unsee it, really, because something... (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about? Something so scarring and disturbing happens in it that you really, I mean, you almost, um, you know, quite honestly, you contemplate getting hot coals and putting them in your eyes and even ears because it's it's that um tom cruise filmed rock of ages uh, a scene there and um if oh, you've ever seen the movie yeah the horrible um <laughs> it's pretty awful um and there's all sorts of bad expl- bad ways i could describe that movie that would probably offend someone so i'll refrain from doing that um but uh yeah that happened there so I think that pretty much explains everything. That's, but now, yeah. it's, in all seriousness, like back to the the, the, the story itself, uh-huh. um, I I wonder how much of of things like that because what they were describing within the the, the stadium just sound almost like aside from the four legged thing running around the stadium, um, it, it sounds like a repeat of what had just been going on there mm-hmm. or what goes on there repeatedly. Um, throughout the season, you know, okay. and even outside of the season, there was a lot of things that also happened there. There was Jackson Five performed there, and uh, Pope was there, and, and then stadiums are used for a lot of things. Sure, you know, especially old ones. They've seen a lot of things come and go through there. So, how much residual hauntings? You know, I, I would think it'd just be a hotbed for that, where it's not necessarily intelligent hauntings, but just the energy replaying itself because it happens so much in the same places over and over and over, and very high strung. Whether you're into the game or not, it's an event usually, unless you're, you know, a, a season ticket holder that goes to every single game and it becomes a regular thing for you. But you know, for a lot of us, going to a big game is, you know, it's once a year, if that, you know, and it's a big thing. So a lot of emotions 
being replayed over and over and over in these places. Do you think there's a higher prevalence of a residual energy haunting in a location like that that's not just where sports is played, but also, like you said, hosts a number of different things? I mean, huge concerts have been there. Sure. The Pope. I mean, all kinds of things have happened at that location. Do you think that plays into it more, or do you think just purely... I think volume of events, not uh-huh. necessarily content of events. Okay, okay. Honestly, and and length, you know, and volume also plays into time of how long the stadium has been there, you know, and and how long it can kind of just have this pattern that's grown around itself over and over and over. I think you're more likely to have a haunting uh, at a Dodger stadium as opposed to, um, you know, like a brand new one that was built. Okay. As opposed to the the new uh, Cowboys stadium in Dallas that's all of five years old, ten years old. I don't even know right now what it's at. Okay. You know, it's because, I mean, I think 20 years down the line, you'll have more of that. But I just think the more stuff that you have happened there, the more emotionally charged things that you have happened there. And I think games are very emotionally charged for a lot of folks. Oh, sure. Um, you know, and then other things, too. I mean... It, there's a lot of things that happen. I have to disagree, though. I think the content plays a part in it. I okay. Th- I think there are some things that are more emotionally charged for some people. Sure. That that's going to leave a more lasting impression. Okay. I mean, the reaction some people have to seeing the Pope, if they're of Catholic faith, mm-hmm. um, I think is going to be a lot more emotionally charged than just seeing Madonna. Or something like that. Sure. I mean, I think it really depends on the individual. I mean, yeah, I mean you're right. I mean, uh, and, and a lot of times, too, in, in a lot of stadiums, you do have a lot of um, religious revival type things that do happen, too. It's depending on the part of the country you're in. There, Those are, they do take place in stadiums sometimes. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think the frequency has a lot to do with it, too. Okay. You know, I, I just... You know, being that historic of a building or, you know, a stadium, if you will, it's more than a building. Um, it's just a hotbed, I think, for that sort of thing to happen. Okay. I think you got you have a very valid point. Do you think that the, the emotions ever intermingle the energy of those emotions being different, being how it would feel different with... Um, the emotions expelled for a baseball game versus seeing the Pope? And do you think it can collide, essentially, like oil and vinegar in a salad dressing and make it that much more, um, you know, exposed, if you will? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Not I, that they're opposing, but just they're different and they're running into each other and yeah. bam, it's going to make itself more. Maybe I'm getting a little too... I, deep I, into that. I don't know on that. I have no idea on that. And I'm just really guessing at the whole, um, you know, content of the event yeah. aspect of it. I just, I tend to think that that makes a difference. I go back to the Jackson 5 and Tom Cruise. <laughs> that explains everything. Okay. Daniel writes in, hey guys, it's Daniel from California. I wrote to you previously about my experience uh, in Las Vegas and Disneyland. 
promised to write a darker and sinister event that happened to my fiance and me about a year ago. But you, first, do you remember his story about the little boy in the parking garage at Disney? Yes. Okay. I do recall that one. Okay. I do. Let me share two short stories. Okay. Continuing on. Dear Casey, when I was in my early 20s and still living in my parents' house, I came home one night from work with a cold uh, and was very tired. Took some NyQuil, just completely fell asleep hard. I was suddenly awoken by a loud, rapid, frantic knocking on my front door. My initial thought was that it was morning already and my father, who worked the graveyard shift, was home and forgot his house keys. I rolled over and pushed back the curtains and took it outside, only to see it was still night and my father's truck was not in the driveway. From my room, I have a clear view up and down the street as well as the front yard. Once I processed that it couldn't have been my father, I checked the time. It was a little after 3 a.m. Got out of bed and was walking to the front door when my brother came out of the room because he was woken up by the knocking as well. Looking out the front window, I saw nothing, nobody. I opened the front door and went out into the front yard. There was no one in sight. Went as far as walking out into the street and there was not a sign of anyone anywhere. Thinking back on it, it sounded like a frantic knocking like someone was afraid of something or running from someone looking for help. But no one was there. But a month later, I was woken up to fingers tapping on my bedroom window. It was a normal thing for my friends to call and ask if I wanted to hang out and then tell me that... They are right outside. Knowing this, I pulled back my curtain once again to see no one. I went outside again and no one was around. I checked the street again. Nobody. The next morning, I woke up and checked the plant bed right under my window and I saw that no one was there and there were no shoe imprints on the ground either. Therefore, no one could have been standing near my window. What really creeped me out was looking out my window and seeing the screen on the outside. I pressed my fingers to the screen and it was so firm you could not touch the windows at all. Whatever was tapping on my window that night was definitely not human. Now the darker of my events. About a year ago, my fiancé and I were in bed asleep. I distinctly remember having a dream that this dark figure was standing over my bed and trying to get into my body. In the dream, I started to say, I'm... Uh, this is interesting. You ready? I believe it's Latin, and I'm it not, is Latin. not good at that. Are you good at Latin? <sighs> Let me see. You want to do it? You want to do it? You want to do the chant? Go for it. This is like something out of The Exorcist. Yeah, it really is. And here. you have to like hold a Bible up, and no. you have to chant it really loud. Not doing while that. While pointing it at me, and put your hand on my forehead. Or maybe you could Skype it to me. Skype it to you? I just made a reference. Maybe call me. Okay. No, I don't know that I can do it either. In nominee, Patris et Felite Spiritus Secti command you to leave. And I'm sure I said that wrong. I liked how you put the inflection on it like you were the exorcist. I tried. That was pretty awesome. I tried. You're... Jenny's chair is levitating right now, by the way. But upon (laughs) starting to talk, my mouth immediately became stuck and unable to move. That's creepy. Uh, It felt as if someone super glued my lips together. I then woke up. I still could not speak, but could move my body. I saw this dark figure jump from my foot of my bed to where the wall meets the ceiling. I sat up fully in bed and finally was able to move my lips again. 
I said forcefully the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) God. (laughs) That's how I kind of can uh, just get over that. It's all in caps, so I could do it even louder and disturb the children downstairs, but I'll not do that. Right then, my fiancé woke up in a loud gasp, and a dark shadow disappeared. I asked my fiancé what was wrong, and she said she just had a dream that there was a dark figure standing over the bed, staring at her. When she told me this, I did not tell her what just happened to me. I felt that this entity was just trying to possess me or get into my soul. I don't know how to explain the feeling, except that it felt like it was trying to force itself into me. Not telling my fiancé what just happened, I grabbed my Bible from my side of the bed and said, Okay, honey, let's turn the light on and pray for a minute, then you go back to bed. I'll make sure everything's okay. After about 20 minutes, my fiancé fell back asleep. I just sat there, Bible on my chest, just listening for the slightest sound of something, but it was gone. The next morning, I told her what happened to me. I didn't want to ruin any sleep she could possibly get that night by telling her right then. She understood why. I didn't say anything. Whatever evil spirit, glad it's gone and has not seen or felt anything like it since. My fiancé has told me... Ever since she was a child, she has had dreams of such things standing over her as she has slept. We're both religious and have never played around with Ouija boards or anything like that, but we have both grown up sensitive to ghosts, spirits, whatever you choose to call them. I seem more attracted to them, or I seem to attract more of them than others around me. I'm told this is an inherited trait. Both sides of my family have had experiences and stories to tell. Sorry this was so long. Take care. Keep up the good work. Love the show. Listen every chance I get. Thank you for the story. Um, It's very interesting. And and it's one of those stories where, yes, there was some dreaming involved here. But the fact that both of you were having this experience at the same time. And you woke up, and that, to me, really kind of concretes it in my mind. There was something definitely dark going on here. Aside from all of the kind of joking that we're making there in the story, just because I can't pronounce Latin, there was obviously something dark going on here. Well, and, you know, Daniel, I'm, I'm not trying to doubt you, but I'm seriously wondering how fluent you are in your Latin and the fact that you're speaking Latin in your dream. You know, people that study languages, when they get to a certain point, they start dreaming in that language. But that's a whole nother thing. Well, maybe he went to Catholic math mass quite a bit because there's a lot of Latin spoken in there. I mean, I don't know. Could be, but but how often do you hear the exact phrase to expel evil spirits? Did he say that he knew it beforehand or that he it just came to him? It was just there in his dream. He didn't say really if it's something he's familiar with or not. I don't know. Yeah. I'd love to know that. I'd love to know if it's something that you were just familiar with because of, you know, background. I mean, going to Latin Mass or things of that nature uh, or just watching a shitload of horror movies. Um, You know, uh, there's a lot of ways I guess you could. I I don't recall, you know, what they're saying in the horror movies when I watch them. I know it's Latin. I know they're trying to exercise demons, but um, I I can't imagine that being repeated all that much in regular Latin Mass, though, either. Yeah. but uh, it'd be interesting to know if it's going to came to him. Yeah. You know, spiritually or mentally, or if it was something that was kind of ingrained and he knew to. 
you know, honestly, when I, I mean, just from my background, you know, being brought up in, you know, uh, being Lutheran as a child, and, you know, I have a fairly large religious background and a fairly good uh, knowledge on the topic, um, whenever I have, like, dreams instinctually uh, of something quote-unquote evil is happening and it's usually just a dream i don't ever attribute it to him actually being attacked by demons in reality it's just a bad dream mm-hmm. you know i immediately go to like the lord's prayer or something of that nature to try and expel it away from me yeah but not necessarily go to something in latin no i'm not jumping to latin yeah. I'm, that's not coming to me <laughs> in the in the dream i wonder if you here's a good question and I, I mean this in all sincerity, is do you have to do these things in Latin? Why do we, and why? Why do they have to be done in Latin? Would the demon not understand English? I mean, the, I mean, these demons do seem to speak in English to people quite often. I would think that it would, they would be able to, you know, get the translation pretty well if you were to speak the translated version of it in English. Or do you, is there something more powerful about doing it in Latin, uh, an exorcism is what I'm talking about, uh, versus, you know, doing a English version, or, or insert language here, any language you want. Or do they, does it have to be in Latin? I don't know the answer to that. I obviously don't know the answer to that. I mean, if you don't know, I for sure don't know. Um, but that's a, that's a good us. question, yeah. yeah. Somebody do let us know your thoughts on that. I'd be curious just to know what the thought process is. Now, watch tonight. I'm going to dream everything in Latin. Be great. Then you'll wake up in the middle of the night and you'll be uh, speaking in Latin. I took four years of French and I got to a point where I was dreaming in French some. Yeah. I don't think it was very correct, but it happened. It's interesting. I took two years of German and I I remember like one sentence. (laughs) Das ist nicht so gut. Okay. It's not so good. No. That's it's, it's about all I got. <laughs> <laughs> it's all I got. And choose. Choose is by. That's that's it. Okay. That's, that's the uh, two years of German from the uh, Wisconsin public school system right there. I would think with good all job. the German heritage up there that... There's a lot of kids that did, that did great in it. I did not. German yeah. is a very complex language to learn. Okay. It is. I mean, it is. There's a lot of really weird tenses. I should have taken, like, Spanish or something. <laughs> but uh, I didn't. So there you go. Uh, please become an EPP. Support the show. Keep us on the air. We love all the stories. Of course, that helps us out. But financially, uh, that's very important, too, to uh, cover our costs of uh, getting the show out there to you. Five bucks a month is all it is. Sign up on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thank you for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online line next time i'll learn how to say that line in latin i will and you'll butcher that too of course i will (laughs) why wouldn't i (laughs) bye-bye